good day, good evening, however, and whenever you're turning on, I'm just sending you love, God's love. This is Pastor Clayton Hicks with your next installment of the Pastor Hicks Podcast, PHP. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends, um, with those who just want a closer walk with the Lord. Today, we're going to come from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. And today's topic is going to be dealing with my trauma, dealing with my trauma. And the word of God reads as follows. Again, this is Luke 7, 11 through 17. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's son and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. He walked over to the coffin and touched it and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd and they praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us. And God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. That sounds like a traumatic experience, doesn't it? Jesus walks onto the scene and he sees this woman crying out because her son is dead. Normally we go to a trauma center to deal with traumatic experiences with us physically, like motor vehicle collisions or gunshot wounds or, or car accidents and things of that nature. But oftentimes when we're dealing with internal trauma or internal trauma, we don't seek the help that we need to heal. We don't seek the help that we need to get better. We don't tell folks, friends, when we're going through. So we just deal with the traumatic experiences alone. But this this text and our little bit of time together, we're going to talk about how to deal with your trauma, how to deal with your trauma so that you understand that one of the best options to have is taking it to the Lord. So our text opens up right after something just happened. So right after Jesus heals or right after Jesus gets to the scene with the woman who's a widow and her son, he just finished healing, just finishes the healing of a centurion servant. He just finished healing a man of great power, of great influence, who sent um, dignitaries to Jesus first and then sent friends of his to Jesus next to just say, listen, Jesus, I know who you are. I know what you can do. I just believe in faith that you will heal my servant, you'll hear the person, you'll heal the person that's working for me. So we go from that scene to the scene with the woman, this woman who is in grief, this woman who the community comes around and supports, but this woman who does not keep it in, because when Jesus walks up with the crowd that's already with him coming off the heels of the centurion servant's healing, as he walks up to her, she's crying out, and I guess the first part of our time together is if you're dealing with your trauma, the best thing for you to do is open up. 
What are you talking about, Pastor Hicks? The centurion was a man of influence. He was a man who could get people to move when he wanted them to move. He was a Roman soldier. The Roman, the Roman Empire was in control during that time um, of Jesus's life. But even though he had all that influence, he did not suffer in silence when his worker was in need. He cried out for help and had two separate groups go to seek the help of God when he was in need. When we see the scene of the widow, when we see the scene of the woman, what are we seeing? We're not seeing her trying to keep her pain to herself, trying to be at a place of stoic strength. She's crying out. She's hurting. She's crying out. She's opening up. She's crying out. She's letting the tears fall. Oftentimes when we go to funerals in certain cultures, we'll ask someone who went, because if we couldn't make it, we'll ask someone who went, how did the person or how did the family do? How did they handle the trauma? How did they handle the loss of the loved ones? And we think that they did well when they only cry a certain amount. Or we think that they did well when they don't cry at all. But perhaps what happens to us is that we don't deal with traumatic experiences and we don't cry out. Some of us experience acute trauma. That is trauma from a single stressful or dangerous event. Some of us experience chronic trauma. These are results from repeated and prolonged exposure to highly stressful events like child abuse or bullying or domestic violence. Some of us deal with complex trauma. This results from exposure to multiple traumatic events, whether it's acute or chronic or complex. There is a space for crying out. You don't have to hold it together. You don't have to keep a step up upper lip. You don't have to keep it on the inside because watch this. When you're keeping it held in, then your stomach becomes in knots. When you're keeping it held in, you suffer from migraines and headaches. When you keep it held in, what comes out of you is not righteous aggression, but aggression coming out of pain. When you keep it in, you're at a higher risk for heart attack because you've been bottling all of these things up. The Bible says in Psalm 107, 19, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. There's a place in our faith to cry out. Psalm 34, 17 says the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Being a righteous person does not get you out of life's tough times, but you still need to cry out to God about it. First Peter 5, 7 says, turn all your anxiety over to God because he cares for you. In other words, this weight that you're caring because the trauma has happened wasn't meant for you to carry by yourself. That's why God is here to help you deal with your trauma. John 11, 34 to 35 says, where have you laid him? This is Jesus asking. Come and see, they replied to Jesus. Then Jesus wept. This is Jesus weeping at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. So even the Lord of Lords, even the host of hosts, even our savior was not above this type of healthy release. You gotta deal with your trauma and it starts with you crying out. Last one, Revelation 21, four to five says, he will wipe every tear from your eyes. This is a promise tied to the end times, the end of the world, and they're coming back again of Christ. But even then, God is faithful to wipe away the tears that you let fall. It's not enough for you to shout it away. It's not enough for you to sing it away. It's enough for you to authentically deal with what has hurt you or bruised you or emphatically alter your life. Don't deal with your trauma by ignoring it. 
Don't deal with your trauma by burying it. Don't deal with your trauma by masking it with other things or other people or other substances, whether it's alcohol or drug or relationships or eating or shopping or social media or anything else that stops you from feeling the pain and cry out to the Lord who made you and who's looking to make you whole again. First part of my time with you is not about Jesus. It's about the the woman's willingness to cry and the centurion's willingness to ask. And our first time together, our first our first portion of our time together focuses on listen. If you're going through, it's okay to cry out to God to help you deal with your trauma. Then what was interesting is the response from Christ. Christ enters the town. He sees the scene. He sees the son being carried out. He sees the community in mourning. He sees the widow. The first thing Christ has is what's called compassion for the woman. Empathy is when I feel what another person is feeling. Sympathy is when I understand what the other person is feeling, even without feeling it myself. Empathy, I feel it. Sympathy, I understand. Compassion is what Christ had. Compassion is when I have feelings and my feelings are prompting me to relieve the suffering for another person. Sometimes we experience empathy from other people. Sometimes we experience sympathy from other people. But Christ is showing that I'm willing to show compassion to your case. I'm willing to have some kind of impact to your case. He tells the woman, don't cry. That's funny because that's the antithesis of what the woman did to get your attention, Jesus. But now you're telling her not to cry. In fact, you're probably saying, Pastor, you just said that we need to cry out. And now the text is saying Jesus is telling her not to cry. Let's keep in mind why she's crying. She's crying because of her loss. She's crying because, remember, in the text, she's a widower and she's lost her son. In that socioeconomic state, she now has to rely on the charity of neighbors and friends to help her make it because her husband is gone and her son, her only son who would be providing for her, is gone. Jesus is saying to her, don't cry because this command is tied to his word and he's tied to his word in Luke 6 21 he just says blessed are those who weep now for you will laugh so in the middle of her crying he's trying to comfort her and let her know that I am tied into my commandment and my commandment and my word says even though you're going through I need you to stop crying because I'm going to turn this into joy for you You can only stop crying or you can only be comforted when you're in an environment that's comforting. I use this analogy in in the preaching moment. I'll say this again. I can only stop crying. I can only be in a place of comfort when the environment is comforting. Everybody can't put on your band-aid. If you're younger and you're listening to this, or if you're older, you remember having somebody put on your band-aid. There's three types of people that will put on your band-aid. There's a type that will find out you're hurt and send you to go get your band-aid and have you put it on yourself. There's the type that will put on the band-aid, but will put on the band-aid with rubbing alcohol to disinfect. 
Now you're helping me, but your helping is painful and causes more trauma to me because the alcohol is burning my wound. But then there are those who'll sit you down, who'll comfort you and let you know it's going to be all right. They'll tell you, listen, I need you to stop crying for a second. Some of them will hold you in their arms on their lap and rock you back and forth. Some of them will rub your shoulder. Some of them will just speak positive words of affirmation, letting you know that it's going to be okay. And when I'm in that place of comfort, then I don't need to cry because I know the one who's taking care of me has my best interest at heart. They're not going to send me to get the healing for myself. They're not going to make the healing a traumatic experience. But like Jesus in that moment, and this is tied to us to crying out to God before, they're going to make it such a comforting environment. And even as the command goes forth for me to stop crying, I will because I am comforted by the person who's asking me to stop the crying. I've been with Jesus long enough. I've been with the Lord long enough. I've seen God do things in the lives of other people that I know if his presence is there, then I know I'm going to be all right. Then Jesus gets involved. He touches the beer. Now, in that time frame, in some of your versions, you're reading casket. I want to clear that up for you. He's really touching a body wrapped in cloth that they're carrying on a gurney. So this man called Jesus, who people are already following. Remember, there's a crowd with him. He comes to encounter another crowd and he does what is ceremonially, ceremonially unclean to do. That if any other person during that time had followers would not do. He touches the beer of a dead person. A rabbi would not do that because it's ceremonially unclean. The Pharisees would not do that because it's ceremonially unclean. But Jesus is trying to get this us to understand this point. He's so involved with healing our trauma that his healing of our trauma is not predicated on what is unclean to others or what is even dead in our own eyesight. His involvement is based on his love for us. Some of us won't cry out or some of us won't tell God or some of us won't pray or some of us won't go to church because we've been church hurt sometimes but some of us won't go to church because the trauma that we're dealing with we think it's so unclean and so ugly that God won't help me out of it and I'm talking to somebody right now who's who's done a good job at burying it, but it hasn't gone away. It still hurts, it's still painful. And you think that the abuse, you think that the traumatic issue of your childhood, you think that your family dynamic, you think that the addiction, you think that the loss by your own hands, you think that the crime, you think that the infidelity, you think that the molestation is so traumatic that as it comes out, the community will mourn, but maybe if they found out what it really was, they wouldn't. 
You're worried that people will turn their back on you. But Jesus says, I'm here. I love you. And I can handle your ugliest thing. Psalm 51, 1 says, says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. David said this after he had murdered a man and committed adultery. David cried out to the Lord during his ugliest thing, the worst thing about himself and what he had done, because David understood, even pre-Christ, David understood in his relation to God, that God's mercy shows up in our lives because God loves us. David understood that his compassion shows up to blot out how far I've gone from him. Jesus says to the young man, get up. The young man gets up. This is Christ's first resurrection. When normally someone is called to get up more precisely in the Greek, it says be raised by God. One, it shows a divine intolerance to get to death. But when someone is raised, you normally go with the person that's raised. But you notice in the text that Christ gives the son to his mother. And our last point or talk point today is Jesus is looking to fix that place of trauma, not the ancillary things that are a symptom of the trauma. When Jesus meets the, the woman who's crying out, she's crying out because of the loss of her son. Now, he could resurrect the husband, but at the point of her acute trauma, it's about the son. So Jesus looks to resurrect the reason why this woman is dealing with the trauma. It's like going to get your car repaired. Your engine won't start, but you're going to get your windshield wipers fixed. And Jesus is interested in all of your hurt and all of your pain, but he wants to get to the root of why you're crying. He, want to get, he wants to get to the root of why you can't sleep at night. He wants to get to the root of why you're so fearful. He wants to get to the core of that thing. The core of the woman's trauma was the loss of her son. Whatever the core is of yours, authentically tell God about it. And open up that part of your heart and of your psyche that you haven't let anybody else in. And let the King of Kings and Lord of Lords work on it. And then what we forgot about when we first started was there's a crowd. There's a crowd that's now influenced by this woman's life. This crowd is now influenced by this young man's resurrection. This crowd is now influenced by the power of God overflowing out of the life of this family. Who can be saved? Whose lives can be turned around? Whose lives can be changed because of your miracle? because Christ decided to have compassion on you, because you decided to call and cry out. Again, we're in such a, a, a individualistic society where we, we like to keep even our successes to ourselves because we're afraid of what someone else might say or do. But there's something to be said about your trauma and seeing victory come out of it.
There's something to be said about a crowd that may be watching that you don't know is watching. They know that you know God. They know that you have a thirst to get to know him more and see God move in your life. And see clearly that the reason why you've made it is because of the hand of God over you. Dealing with our trauma, first and foremost, brothers and sisters, friends, make sure you cry out. It's okay to cry out. It's healthy. You should be doing it. But more importantly, cry out to God about it. We cry out to God about it in this text. We see that Jesus is faithful to see it, have compassion on it, to speak to it and to you. To get involved, to touch it, and to then touch the part of it where it is acute, so that healing can begin from there. And how does the glory get back to God? There's a crowd that's watching you, and they're looking to see how wonderful it is of God impact your life. This has been Pastor Clayton Hicks at the PHP, the Pastor Hicks podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you for being a part of it this week. And we look forward to talking to you again soon.